You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. But it will probably be locked up for at least the next 12 to 18 months. So this is something I'm very comfortable with. Uh, This is something our members are comfortable with, or at least the ones that participate in these deals, but it's not for everyone. And the risk is always that this could be free trading in six to 12 months from now, or it could be free trading never. You know, it could could never list. And we do a pretty good job at finding the ones that are gonna list, but it, you know, it certainly isn't without its risks. Thanks for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. And in today's episode, we're gonna be chatting with Jamie Keach of resource-insider.com. He provides a service for accredited investors, connecting them with good deals, some of which he negotiates, getting them in on good pre-IPO deals. So if you wanna learn more about his service, if you're an accredited investor, head on over to resource-insider.com. There's also a link in the show notes. Jamie, welcome back onto the show. It's been six months. Six months ago, you told me that 80 to 90% of your portfolio was in precious metals equities. But over the next six months, which takes us to today, you wanted to transition to about 20 to 30% copper equities. Uh, did you make that transition? And what's the updated uh, perspective on how you're managing your portfolio? Bill, uh, how's it going? Thanks for having me today. You know, a lot has happened over the last six months. Uh, nothing more exciting, I would say, than we actually got the domain resourceinsider.com. So we've successfully <laughs> removed that dash, although we still own that one as well. So uh, big news here. Uh, with respect to the portfolio, so um, a transition into copper and battery metals. The answer to that is, you know, I, I have to check exactly where we are in terms of what percentage, but it is a transition we're in the process of making. So we are actively and have been actively buying uh, particularly copper stocks for the last six months. Maybe even the last year, we started to sort of dip our toes into copper. Um, you know, right now we've, we've positioned ourselves fairly well in that. We've got three copper deals in the works that will be coming out over the next, I want to say four to five months. And, you know, some of these things have quite a t- long uh, lead time. So we got to be well ahead of the curve to get ready. The other thing that we are doing right now is nickel. Uh, you know, the whole world is losing their minds about copper right now. And we fu- we bought our first copper stock in 2019. It was a company called Kingfisher, uh, Kingfisher Resources, now Kingfisher Metals, which is ironically a primarily gold company at the moment. They got another asset. But when we invested, we invested for their copper asset, uh, the Extel project. So when we were doing that, Nobody cared. Everyone was 100% gold focused. Um, And those are the ones that have given us the biggest returns. When we kind of got in before the market woke up and decided this is where they wanted to be. So Kingfisher is a great example. We invested privately at five cents. They listed earlier this year at 50 cents, ran up to 60 cents. That was a really, you know, great, you know, 10x plus return for us. And that was, you know, I attribute that really to getting in early and to being getting in early into the life of a company, but also getting in early to this trend in copper. And even in that case, in that case, gold. Now we're focused on nickel um, in addition to copper. I have not yet found one that I want to do. Uh, you know, there's lots of great big nickel companies in terms of finding nickel deals. That's a, a harder sell, but it's something we're pretty actively focused on at Resource Insider at the moment. 
So Jamie, you got a 10 times return, but in order to get that 10 time return on Kingfisher, you had to take on some risks. One of the risks is being illiquid. Can you talk about the illiquidity of your portfolio? Sometimes you're illiquid in a a given equity for years at a time, or minimally, if you do these private placements, you're illiquid for four months hold. What percentage of your portfolio is illiquid and how do you manage the percentage of your portfolio that's illiquid at any one given time? Man, so you got to have a certain appetite to do these sort of deals. So when I invested in Kingfisher, this is the perfect example. So these were two young geologists, guys in their 30s. They'd had great experience uh, helping build other people's companies, running exploration programs. But they came to me. They had an idea. They had a project that they'd staked. They had no money. They had no office. They had nothing. You know, I don't even know if they had a corporate bank account before we actually did the financing. And we were the first guys in. And the plan to get public was kind of like as soon as possible was the idea. As soon as possible ended up taking the better part of two years. And over the better part of two years, there were big setbacks. There was a shift. They got another asset. There were ups and downs. And there were times where I was like, I'm not entirely sure we're going to see this money again. But, you know, I had spent a lot of time getting to know the team before we invested. I, you know, Dustin Perry, the CEO, incredibly driven, incredibly talented and intelligent and was 100% focused on doing this. Um, So we bet on him and he's, you know, he's delivered exponentially. But the, the point is, it could have just as easily gone the other way. That money could have still been locked up. So if you're not comfortable with that risk, these sort of things are not for you. That being said, um, every deal we've ever done, private or otherwise, is now currently listed on a stock exchange. And I would say, I'm going to just estimate these numbers, 90% of them are free trading right now. So, you know, knock on wood, we've gotten it right so far on all the um, on all the private deals we've done. And the way we do that, I mean, frankly, it's a very, very simple process. With Kingfisher being the exception, because this was this team's first company, every other private deal we've invested in, we have invested in teams that have a history and a track record of bringing companies public, listing successfully on, you know, established exchanges like the TSXV um, and people that I've known personally and watched throughout their careers, you know, accomplish just that, exactly what they're saying they're going to do. So right now, the vast majority of our portfolio is publicly trading. But, you know, literally at this moment, on my computer here, I'm putting together the final touches on a report into a deal Uh, that we're going to be doing a really, really big copper deal in Latin America. We're going to be investing alongside uh, three of the biggest mining companies in the world, one of the biggest private equity firms on the planet, or in the mining world, I should say. But it will probably be locked up for at least the next 12 to 18 months. So this is something I'm very comfortable with. Uh, This is something our members are comfortable with, or at least the ones that participate in these deals. But it's not for everyone. And The risk is always that this could be free trading in six to 12 months from now, or it could be free trading never. You know, it could could never list. And we do a pretty good job at finding the ones that are going to list, but it, you know, it certainly isn't without its risks. So, Jamie, did I answer that question properly? I think think you did. Yeah. And that's pretty impressive that you have that much liquidity right now, because especially as an American investor, I have to go through the extra hoops of illiquidity with getting the legends removed off the stock, which I I guess, what's the feedback that you've gotten from your American 
listeners that have now delved in delved into Canadian junior mining stocks for the first time. And they're like, Jamie, you can sell four months in a day, but what this, what is this legend that I got to get off this thing? Well, you know, a big part of what we do um, have done a lot of energy we've spent is helping try to, I guess, educate American investors on the process of these. And, you know, for, you know, bad luck, really, Americans have it much tougher than other people, right? And you, you know, as well as anyone else, you've got to remove the legend. There's restrictions in where your stock can be sent, where it can be held, who can hold it. Can you put it with your broker? Private companies, you know, most private, most brokers will not hold private stock for an American, yet they will do it for a Canadian or a European. So these are challenges that Americans have to, to face. But I would say one of the big successes we've had at Re or one of the big successes of Resource Insider and why we've attracted so many subscribers is because we kind of are very good at laying out for U.S. investors. Okay, this is what you have to do. These are the challenges you're going to face. This is how you address them. This is how you optimize um, for your portfolio. And look, it, it's not going to be as easy for, for them as it is for a Canadian or it is for a, a Brit or European. But there are ways to make it efficient. And, you know, something about 45, 50% of all of our subscribers are Americans and, and are dealing with this process. And, you know, a big portion of them are resubscribing every year. So I think our results speak for themselves on that, that the returns they're getting are worth the hassle that they're, they're doing. And, you know, Bill, I say this to a lot of people, like doing private placements is much more work than than buying stock on the market, buying it with your, you know, your on your phone with your Robinhood account or whatever it is you're using. But, you know, I often say to people like, you need to probably be willing to devote something like two to three hours a month to this, to be able to complete these things and, and do the work. But, you know, we're getting about 160% returns on our portfolio. So would you spend two or three hours a month to get over 100% return on the money you're investing? That's That's the question people need to answer for themselves. For some people, the answer is actually no, uh, but for a lot of them, it's yes, and it's, it's worked out very well for those guys. Torque Resources is an exploration company establishing a portfolio of premier copper gold early stage projects in Chile. Torque's management and technical teams have a strong track record of raising capital, discovery, and monetization of exploration successes. The company's Margarita Copper Gold project is located within the prolific coastal Cordillera Belt in Chile, which hosts some of the world's largest and most profitable copper mines. The Margarita project possesses excellent discovery potential for a major copper discovery due to the strength of the alterations system, large-scale magnetic targets, and the presence of copper oxide mineralization. Drilling is anticipated to begin in Q3 of this year. Torque trades in Canada under TORQ and on the OTC under TRBMF. To learn more, go to torqueresources.com. That's torqueresources.com. So as an American, when I, I've done a number of pre-IPO deals this last year, and to be honest, I've had buyer's remorse. Um, I did the IPOs because I thought I was going to get a lower price than the IPO, um, you know, initial public offering, which didn't turn out with some of them. And then you get the warrant, you say, well, you did it for the warrant, but it, it becomes somewhat so much of a hassle. And the lockup period, honestly, can be eight months after going yeah. public to where you ask, you say to yourself, was this even worth it? I mean, as a Canadian, you can sell on day one. Do you ever have buyer's remorse from doing these IPOs? So you actually bring up a really good point uh, about investing in private placements in general. So, 
you know, mining investing is is very much like venture capital investing in any industry, whether it's tech or otherwise, right? And, you know, Bill, I think we've talked about this before, but having access to, like, a private placement is not a private placement is not a private placement. These are not a license to print money. You know, most of them are private placements into shitty deals that are going to lose you money over the long run. Just like buying most junior mining stocks on the market, it's probably not going to work to your advantage, right? Most people lose money in any venture space. Mining is no exception to that. So what it really comes down to is deal flow. Do you have access to the right deals? Now, it's easier for a guy like you that's got a podcast and a show, uh, you know, people, management teams see what you're doing. You know, they want to get Bill Powers on side and get him talking about their, their projects, their deals, their teams, et cetera, et cetera. It's easier for guys like me who are here in Vancouver, have built relationships with management teams over the course of many years, and again, have a similar sort of media outlet as you do. For the average investor, the dentist who's sitting at home in Kentucky and wants exposure to these things, the problem is the things that are going to come across that guy's desk are the things that have already gone through guys like you, that have already gone through guys like me. Because that guy has money to add, but he doesn't have any other additive benefit or skills uh, that the company's looking for. You know, why do company, every single mining company tries to get Eric Sprott as one of their cornerstone investors? Eric Sprott's money is no different than your money or my money, it's just money. But he's a brand name, right? And you can put the Eric Sprott owns X percent of our company. And that that makes people pay attention and think, well, shit, if Eric's doing it, it must be good. And it brings in new investors. So the problem the average everyday interested mining investor gets is that they don't have access to good deal flow. And because this is a venture space, the vast majority of returns are going to be coming from the top deals in the sector. And you know, Bill, you know this like I do. When a really good deal comes across your desk, often it's pretty obvious, right? It's it's at a cheap valuation maybe, maybe there are these warrants associated with it, but more so than that, it's run by a great team with a proven track record. You know, one of my biggest um, mistakes I made at Resource Insider, which you've done nothing but give me shit for, is pass on a deal with high A down who is doing Osino Resources. And, you know, we've made two big mistakes and missing that deal is one of them. And, uh, you know, I've kicked myself ever since because I, I went on the site visit with high A, super high energy, track record of success, knew what he was doing, clear plan. I thought they were too expensive. They were too expensive, absolutely, given what the information they had at the time. But you know what? He already brought in RCF, big, a big um, private equity firm. He'd already brought in Ross Beatty, people that are probably smarter than me. And you know, I turned out to be very wrong, and I ended up buying it in the market a couple months later, still making money. But I always kicked myself for that private placement, for missing that private placement. Now, the point I'm trying to make is these deals, they only come to people that can add value or have the right relationships and have the right connections. And they're very, very obvious, uh, sometimes in hindsight, but very often at the time. And Resource Insider has kind of made our name by helping people get access to these deals. So the challenge for doing it at home is, if it's not getting picked up by people like me or by people like you, Bill, you know, this might be 
very obvious to industry insiders, professionals, geologists, et cetera, et cetera, that this is not something you want to be allocating your money to. And, you know, the average investor who doesn't have a technical background, doesn't have a lot of experience in the mining space, won't be as able to differentiate that. They think, you know, this is exciting. This is a private placement. This is venture capital. But it's easy to get stuck into something that maybe doesn't have the upside that it, it might seem. And to that point, Jamie, two weeks ago, I had an extended conversation with an executive, 30 years in the business, built a company, sold it to a major, and we were chatting and he said, Bill, I have so many ticker symbols in my brokerage account to where years ago, I put ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 in each of these little exploration companies. And it's worth pennies, literally pennies yeah. today. And it was good to hear that just to remember, you can't just take a dart throw it at the wall and say, if it hits the wall, I'm going to make money. Actually, the, the bullseye is a lot smaller than that, even in a bull market at times. Well, man, and you know, we, we've done 24 deals over the last uh, just about three years now. And you know, that is probably less than 1% of the deals that I've been shown, I would think, far less than 1%. You know, we've, we've got to have seen over 1,000 by this point. And even those, you know, we're, we're certainly up uh, in a significant way across the portfolio, but we don't get it right every time. And even these things that are run by really great teams, they look, the projects look great from a technical perspective, financially they're sound, you know, they go wrong a lot of the time. And the problem with exploration is it's basically designed to go wrong. It's like 99 out of 100 are just the cannon fodder, the capital, you know, just thrown at the wall so that one can find that, uh, that massive deposit and get the 10x return or the 100x return or, or whatever these sort of these metrics that people are trying to hit. Jamie, um, before you go, I know we, we've talked about positivity bias, and it's something that you point out to people that are looking to invest in this space, that you have to be aware of the positivity bias of, through the information that you're fed. But there's also a negativity bias, and I see this at times. Investors also have to be aware when people are extremely negative. As you've pointed out to me, sometimes somebody could be negative in public, but then in their private service, be positive on the very company that they're bashing. What more can you share without going into too many specifics of be on the lookout for negativity bias, just as the same as you would look out for positivity bias? Well, you know, let me tell, let me explain it like this. I'm a newsletter writer. Um, you know, my job is to, to, provide my paying members uh, with research and information so they can help make better investments. Uh, but also your job, you know, that's my job. That is my job. But my business is to sell newsletters. And that's a lot of people's business. And to sell newsletters, you need to bring an audience into you. And there are lots of different strategies to bring an audience. We do podcasts, we write articles, we comment on things, whatever. Other people have different strategies. But here's the thing. Nothing attracts an audience better than being critical. People, you know, people love the naysayers and the critical voice because it's way easier to sound smart if you're being critical. It's, it's a much more uh, intelligent sounding way because it's very easy to poke holes in these things. Uh, you know, every great mining company out there, there's definitely a strong sell argument for all those things. And being critical makes you sound smarter. So there's a lot of that in the mining, like blogosphere on mining Twitter, people who are using critical opinions to make themselves sound more intelligent so that they can get 
more Twitter followers, more YouTube views, sell more newsletters, whatever it is they're trying to build an audience for. So I guess you have to ask yourself, you know, why is this person doing this? Are they, are they just trying to sound intelligent? Are they pointing out real problems to help people? Are they, uh, you know, are there, there's any number of things. So I would say mining Twitter in particular to me seems like a lot of people that are just trying to sound really, really smart. I think, you know, we can also be soured I think a lot of times, not every time, but it could be not taking personal responsibility for your investment decisions. You lose money on it and then you sour on the whole thing and it it just uh, discolors your perspective. And I'll give this example. There was a company I invested in, in like 2008. I lost, I don't know, 50, 60%. I was fed up with these guys. I thought it was going to go, you know, fivefold in a year. And instead I lost 50%. Okay. So I'm on a site tour and I'm in the back of an SUV with another gentleman, very smart guy. And he's like, Hey, uh, I have a really big position in the, and invested in this company. I'm like, don't even mention that company to me. Like I left those guys by the wayside, you know, in a year, in 12 months, Jamie, he had a 10 bagger on that very stock that I sold really? for a 50% loss. And so you know, just my experience discolored me to where I wouldn't even consider it again. And some people would say, well, yeah, you know, they lost your capital. Well, they they lost it in the time frame I was willing to partner with them or willing to give them yeah. my risk capital. So that's another thing that I see often in these comments is that people don't give management. Again, yes, you have to trust them and many of them want to take your money. We've acknowledged those things, but you also got to give them the time frame that they need to develop the value. Well, man, so there's a lot of bitterness surrounding that. And there's a lot of bitterness from people that don't understand, I think, how hard it is to run a mining company, how hard it is to do what these guys are doing. I mean, it's very, very hard to find a mine. It's very, very hard to get that ore out of the ground uh, economically. I would highly recommend that you know anyone listening to this, go and check out uh, an interview I recently did with Walter Coles, the CEO of Skeena Resources. Um, Skina, you know, they're uh, a big discovery, uh, gold in British Columbia. You know, they claim they have the potential to be a tier one asset. There might be millions and millions of ounces there. They're trading at something like 325, 350 right now. Like a year ago, they were at 30 cents and they had just been like beaten and beaten and beaten by the market for years. And it was a brutal experience. And Walt really gets into you know, how, how tough it was and, you know, the mistakes they made and having to get rid of projects and get rid of properties and get new people in and refocus. And it, it's probably the most candid interview I've done with a CEO where they kind of talk because, you know, he's riding high right now, things are going well, and it allows him to be really candid about like, it wasn't always this good. And these were some of the steps we had to go through. And I think that's really important for anyone, uh, who's serious about investing in this sector to actually have a listen to that, you know, it's not just that management teams are idiots. It's that it's actually pretty hard to create value in this space. And there's very few people that have done it successfully. And even some of the good people, you know, they just get unlucky and it's, it can be a long time before something works out. Last question. I was, this was told to me within the last month, Bill, if one guy creates value, has a discovery, uh, don't consider him a success story yet. It's the second time that he does it for shareholders before you can really trust him. Do you agree with that? I a hundred percent agree with that. I would say I'm going to make these numbers up, but I would guess like 90% of the 
discoveries in this in this business are you know they're kind of a one hit wonder. It's like a common and it's not to take away from the people that only make one discovery because that is hard. But there's often a lot of combination of luck and timing and being in the right place and surrounding yourself with the right team that is not easy to replicate. There's, I mean. I can only think of a handful of people off the top of my head that sort of consistently hit it out of the park. I mean, everyone knows the Ross Beatties and the Robert Friedlands and the Lucas Lundins and the Marco days, you know, there's, there's a reason that those guys are, you know, quote unquote famous in the mining space because there's, you know, there's maybe a dozen, two dozen people in the world that can consistently do that out of the, I don't know how many thousand geologists that are trying to. Excellent. Okay. So your website, the updated website is resourceinsider.com or resource-insider.com as you, as we conclude, right, Jamie? We got them both. We got them both. Okay. Anything more you want to say about uh, what you offer? No, I just, uh, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to have me on here, Bill. I really love uh, listening to your podcast and all the things you're doing. You've got lots of great ideas and uh, you know, I appreciate it a lot. Thank you, Jamie. And I'm a listener to your show as well. Jamie also has a podcast, Resource Insider. If you're an audio listener, just type in Resource Insider Podcast and that'll pull up on your podcast application. Thanks, Jamie. We'll be touching base with you in a few months. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty dollars or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. 
If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.